Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, I want to start at the top, though, a conversation around uh, vaping and e-cigarettes. And there's been a lot of talk around vaping, certainly with, you know, trying to solve this mystery of this uh, vaping-related illness. Was cropped up first in the U.S., then in Canada. A lot of debate and concern around rising youth vaping rates and how best to address that. Alberta is going through a review of its legislation. Other provinces are doing the same. Uh, there are health groups out there that are pushing for much stricter restrictions. And again, we got to be careful, too, because whatever concerns exist around vaping, it's still safer than smoking. Doesn't mean vaping is safe. But we got to keep things in perspective. If we're treating vaping more harshly than we're treating smoking, that seems rather counterproductive from a public health perspective. So we do need meaningful regulations, but they got to make sense. And I think there's some concern that maybe a knee-jerk reaction is going to lead us to what ultimately will be counterproductive rules. Well, joining us to talk more about all of this, very pleased to welcome the program here this afternoon, Daryl Tempest. He's executive director of the Canadian Vaping Association, uh, and they're pushing back on what they see as as some ill-advised proposals, but also wanting to be a part of the solution and putting forward what I think are some meaningful proposals for some smart regulations. Daryl, thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me this afternoon. I mean, in a more general sense, there. what's your sense of where this conversation is at in terms of what, what policymakers are looking at and, and what you think the public expects to see? Well, I think there's a, a lot of conversation both at a federal level and at a provincial level across the nation. So right now we're seeing changes coming out at the federal level at a different speed that some of the provinces are uh, uh, are looking to uh, to make regulatory change. So actually, we're seeing quite a variety of um, different regulations that are being proposed across the country. Um, some of those being uh, uh, made on on strong evidence and um, and supporting data, and some that uh, that aren't looking at the supporting data and um, and the harm reduction opportunity that vaping um, e-liquid nicotine products provides. Right. And I think that's what's important about this debate is that, you know, we can't ignore the harm reduction side. I mean, obviously, if there are other issues. We can't ignore those, too. What, what do you see as as the main challenge we're trying to address here? So, if you know, um, if we look at it, uh, it's really important to look at the opportunity and um, and the issues that are going to face vaping uh, coming forward. So if you look at uh, the amount of youth uptake that we've had in Canada, it is certainly concerning, and it's concerning to us at the Canadian Vaping Association. We've been part of this conversation since 2014, and the best ways to uh, to protect youth. And then the second um, that we need to really talk about is is harm reduction and um, the the illnesses and what uh, that have occurred in the United States, 
and what vaping is and what it isn't. So if we look at um, uh, the CDC information that's come out of the United States now, they um, have confirmed 100% that none of the illnesses have had anything to do with water-soluble nicotine e-liquid. The illnesses are completely related to these THC dank carts and vitamin E acetate that's created those, um, those illnesses, and that needs to be addressed. Second, if you look at um, flavors, which has been a big part of the conversation here nationally, is it's uh, being kind of uh, miscast as the key drivers for uh, youth uptake. And I've shared a lot of information, uh, broad-based, about that, uh, you know, almost 75% of, uh, of children surveyed have said it's either uh, they were curious about the product or a friend, a family member, um, uh, uses them, and that also is how they're getting access to these products through social sale or uh, straw sales. Um, and the key thing in terms of flavors that hasn't been uh, discussed is, is the fact that vaping is extremely successful in transitioning those from combustible tobacco to a platform that's at least 95% safer, obviously uh, 95% less harmful. So if you uh, really go into the data, um, NRT products, that's your patches. I mean, I've used those types of products before, medications. Um, they have a 10% um, success rate on getting people to quit smoking. Vaping, uh, with all the best available data, is anywhere between 18 and 54% successful in transitioning adult smokers. Um, to this less harmful alternative. Now, the question becomes, well, why is flavor such an important part of that? And the reason that it is, is it really goes down to uh, uh, to our own psychology and our own um, uh, biology. So if you look at the limbatic, or, uh, limbic system, which is a set of structures in the brain that deals with emotions and memories, it regulates uh, that function of response stimuli in our system. And um, it explains the fundamental reasons that uh, vaping flavored e-liquids is allowed this platform to be so success- successful and why it's at, at a bare minimum double, uh, more, or it's, it's twice as successful as other NRT products that have been um, uh, introduced to the market prior. Yeah. So, as you say, I mean, you know, flavor flavoring is is a part of that success. What, what do you make of the arguments, though, that that flavoring, and you alluded to it, that flavoring is is what makes this attractive to young people? Is is banning flavoring a way to address youth use rates? Again, there's no data to support uh, that. Um, if you look through, um, as I mentioned before, youth uptake in uh, North America versus um, the UK. So the UK actually allows for marketing, has thousands of flavors, and um, only had a 2% uptake in um, youth vaping. There's an estimated 40 million users of this product across the world. But what's the difference between North America and what's happening in the UK? It really comes down to nicotine concentration levels. So they have a cap of 20 milligrams per milliliter. And they went from uh, 700,000 vapors to 3.7 million vapors in that country with no incidence of youth uptake um, and, um, and no incidence of lung illness um, in, in, in the time that they've been using this since 2007 and tracking the data. The only thing that changed here in Canada 
it was in 2018 when the regulations came through, um, which allowed these tobacco companies with vape brands, uh, such as Juul, to be able to sell their products um, along 20,000 convenience stores. And we saw a ton of marketing, especially in Alberta and in Ontario, for example, uh, where these products began to be socialized to youth. The federal government has taken the first big step, which is to get rid of advertising completely. The second step that we need is for a cap on uh, nicotine to be at 20 milligrams per milliliter, because obviously it's working for smokers um, to transition to a far less harmful alternative, like it is in the UK, uh, but also will address that um, these products such as uh, Juul and Vipe that are loaded with high nicotine levels um, that have really driven um, use experimentation with this product. So you would support then limiting uh, vaping sales to adults only, adult only vape shops. We it, it must be sold in adult access environments yeah. only, right? Which really attacks the um, uh, the premise of youth access to the product, and uh, and as well as we uh, fully endorse and celebrated um, the uh, the ending of advertisements in subways and in hockey arenas and on hockey night in Canada. Um, this is an inappropriate way to deal with a harm reduction product. And that's what this is. Um, the, the key is there's 5 million smokers in Canada. If you take a look at the best available data that says it's 18 to 54% uh, effective, let's just go at the very low the range at 18%. That's 900,000 smokers that we can reduce the smoking rates by in this country. And it has the potential to save 45,000 uh, 450,000 lives in Canada. So if we make that change when it comes to the retail side, is there any reason why we would want to look at or need to look at raising the, the minimum age for these products? There's definitely some arguments uh, in terms of the age. That's where if you find in, in provinces where 19 is, um, is the legal age for alcohol and for cannabis, uh, we feel that that's very appropriate for, uh, for vaping products uh, because you tend to be out of high school. Right. So you're not uh, one of the things that we've learned. Uh, there's two core elements in Alberta that we're um, uh, that we're really trying to assist the government there with. So the first one is uh, we've been told that there's over 15,000 fake IDs in the province and that youth can get them from anywhere between 20 to 40 dollars from China. And these come with the barcodes. So by going to adult only access environments, you can have. ID scanners right at the door to prove age of majority. Uh, the second thing that we've, we've heard quite clearly is that because there's no age restriction really on those who can work in convenience stores, that kids were getting jobs so that they could buy these products and then sell them to their friends. So what we feel is, is really appropriate is one is if it's in adult environment, only adults are selling to adults. And uh, which, again, will get rid of uh, a large component of the straw sales or social sales. And that it also gives us the opportunity to be able to educate consumers. Because another big concern is that we've noticed that a lot of these THC illicit bank cards are starting to come into Canada, uh, like we saw in the U.S. And we need to educate the diff- uh, Canadians on the difference between water-soluble nicotine e-liquid, which still has no attributed lung illness um, to that platform, to these illicit uh, products with vitamin D acetate that are causing not only lung illnesses, but in certain cases, the United States death. 
Now, going forward, as you're well aware, I mean, here in Alberta, we're, we're going through a review around vaping regulations. A number of jurisdictions are. As you say, there, there are some areas where we maybe do need to, to address regulations. But, I mean, we're, we're almost at a tipping point in a way where it could go either way. We could have some smart, meaningful regulations or, or we could overreact and, and, and have some counterproductive regulations. I mean, how, how do we ensure that, that, you know, things move in the right direction going forward? First and always is evidence-based. Right. Making decisions on um, uh, on the pathway to access. Right. The second is that we can't work in um, in our own bubbles. So we've been calling on the federal government uh, to hold working groups, um, in-depth working groups, so that you can get industry, you can get health advocates. Um, and you can get government together to make sure that there's a, a legislative and regulatory pathway that works for all Canadians, right? It's we want to ensure that these products not only get aren't attractive for youth, but they're also not attractive for non-users. So if you're not a smoker, this is not a product for you. But if you are a smoker, uh, this is a product that can very much save your life. So we have to keep the Uh, the 5 million Canadian smokers uh, in that position to to have this platform available to them and to make sure that they have the the best available tools um, to make that transition. Right now, we're at um, an estimated 900,000 vapors across the country. If we could get that number uh, to 2.7 million Canadians that have transitioned off combustible tobacco, we will have left a, a, a strong legacy of, of harm reduction that's been unprecedented at any other time in Canadian history. All right, much more. As mentioned, CanadianVapingAssociation.org. Daryl, thank you so much for joining us here today. really appreciate this. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, so that's uh, Daryl Tempest, Executive Director of the Canadian Vaping Association. I, I, I think they put forward some interesting ideas. Because we, we, we have a dilemma, I think. We want to keep these products out of the hands of young people, but we want to make sure they're available for smokers to make the switch. If every smoker tomorrow switched to an e-cigarette, that would represent a tremendous public health benefit. No doubt about it. But then you got to look at the other side, too. So what's a reasonable way of addressing it? So I think changing where these products are sold, that seems reasonable. Limiting nicotine content, is that going to make a, an impact? I, I don't know. All right, 1-800-563-7770 is our number. My name is Rob Breckenridge. You're listening to The Chorus Radio Network. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.